Hi, Desperate Housewives super fans. Welcome back. Two, we know what you did. It makes us sick. We're going to I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And I'm Chipper this week. Summer, want to know why? I do. The SAG strike is over. I am so happy for many reasons. Work will be normal again. And now we can harass every single cast member on this show who is absolutely a listener (laughs) to come on the podcast. All these podcast deniers. Yes, I'm convinced that every single actor who's ever been on Desperate Housewives are all of our listeners and nobody else. It's literally just them. Well, they have been since the night we met Marsha Cross and she definitely messaged all of her former co-stars. Literally like 300 plus person group chat. Just come forward already. So Christy, tell me a little bit about your moment of desperation this week. Wow, we're starting with me? We are. The SAG strike really flipped us. Huh? <laughs> um, I think that the time change really got me this week. I don't know. I think because I was in Utah, it flipped me around so much. But all week, I was literally sleeping all day on the not not on the clock, of course. You were doing your own. job. I was doing my job on my lunch break. I was taking a nap. But then my one of my very close friends who I grew up with was in town, and I had a cold, but I was still going out two nights in a row. So I was beaten down and broken by the end of the week. I feel like I'm rambling because that actually was at the moment of desperation that I wanted to say, but I just wanted to let everybody know that if you're being beaten down by the time change, so am I, and I'm with it's you. Normal. It's normal. It's um, <laughs> normal. You are seen and you are heard. Um But also, I think my biggest moment of desperation was probably trying to record this podcast last week because we, my internet has been so bad for weeks and just the thought of going to Spectrum and getting a new box, which I was supposed to do in January, by the way. Um, I (laughs) January? Yeah. So I was having like Wi-Fi issues like when I first moved in. And I called and she was like, oh, yeah, we looked at your box. Like, it's actually defective. Just go to the store and they'll give you a new one. And I was like, okay. And I just didn't do it because that sounded like a a big undertaking. So it would go off and I would just like reset it and it would work again. At one point, it was going off every single Sunday. Like every Sunday I'd wake up no Wi-Fi on (gasps) like it was. But I just I would unplug it, plug it back in and then it would be fine. So I was living like that for a while in squalor. And then as we're recording this podcast, listeners, you probably don't realize, Desperate Housewives super fans, soft little criminals, we would have to, we would be talking over each other. We've had a lot of issues. And it got to the point, I think, listening to like the final cut of last week's episode, I, this is probably just us being our, like my harshest critic, but I was like, I feel like it doesn't have the, the natural zhuzh that we usually have because we were getting so frustrated, like having to repeat everything and... We weren't as giggly and so much had to be cut out. Um, So finally I went to Spectrum yesterday. I was in and out of there in maybe three minutes. 
No one can see it, but I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> I just walked in with all my equipment and I said, hey. She just turned around, gave me a new box, checked my ID, said, here you go. Nothing else. It was like, wow. You've done this months ago. <laughs> well, my moment of desperation is a two-parter, but very similar to yours. So kind of piggybacking off what you just said. I have this really bad habit of forgetting to <laughs> pay my internet bill. Nice. Why don't you use auto pay, by the way? Because they charge you an extra dollar when you use auto pay. How much do you pay for not remembering? More than one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you have to understand, I saw the email in LA that said, your bill is due $157. Now, it's supposed to be 66 a month, which means I'm probably behind two months. And they also attached something that said, like, you have to pay your bill or we will uh, discontinue your service. And I was like, oh, well, okay, that's a threat. So... I paid like part of it. And then I said to myself, I'm going to have to make a note of this uh, for when I get back from LA. Like I still have a little bit of time to call the company and like beg them for forgiveness and have them take away all the late fees. I woke up in a cold sweat the other night at 3 10 AM. For some reason, my shoulder was aching and it went down the right side of my back. Just the worst pain I've had in a long time for no reason. And I was wide awake. And I couldn't get back to sleep for a number of reasons, but a big one was because I couldn't stop thinking about the internet bill. And there was nothing I could do. It was 3.15 a.m. And I was awake until I think five, just laying there, tossing and turning, but nothing was working. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, idiot, idiot. Why didn't <laughs> you just pay your darn bill? When your thoughts are like loud. <laughs> They're the loudest at that hour between the time, the dark, the pounding of guilt in my brain about forgetting this stupid bill. Like I get so upset with myself when I forget to pay this bill and I've done it so many times now. You would think I would have learned my lesson, but no. I wouldn't have expected you to learn your lesson. Well, I think you should just maybe put on auto pay. Because what is $1 worth your mental health and all of the late fees that you've paid? They're low. They're scamming you low key. They're scamming you because they're like, ooh, if we charge them a dollar, people aren't going to want to do it. And then, right. and then you're just falling into their evil schemes. Right. That's exactly it. They're out to get me personally. I'm actually they having are. a little anxiety about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Auto pay. Fine. I'll do your dirty, dirty auto pay. I'll give you your dirty, dirty money. I think part of it too is like, I don't like having 60 some odd dollars come out of my account unexpectedly. Like they just take it. Well, that's the day you're supposed to pay it anyway. I think they need to know you guys, Summer did not have Wi-Fi all through the 2020 pandemic because she didn't want to pay for it. And so she's sitting alone in her apartment for three months, no Wi-Fi, just five. And what would you do to, to get internet before the pandemic? Instead of paying, what, $60 a month, she'd pay $35 a week to go to Joe and the Juice 
get a $7 juice five day, five days minimum out of the week. So it's $35 a week to use free Wi-Fi. Okay, but with that, so this- I'm getting, a, <laughs> I'm getting a, a silly little drink. I was getting my morning beverage and my internet. So it's two for the price of one. Ha, you don't have a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though <laughs> their wi-fi was spotty at best imagine you're just sitting there watching tv and you're like why aren't you doing that at home you did that didn't you you would go sit there and watch movies in joe watched, and the juice i watched one movie at joe <laughs> and the juice <laughs> it was scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed okay we're not talking about it that's crazy. The guy next to you is writing a screenplay. The other guy is <laughs> doing finance work and you're sitting there watching Scooby-Doo. Two. That's very on brand for you in 2019. 2020. And 2024, 23. Forgot what year we're in. <laughs> Girl map. All right. Enough about our boring Wi-Fi issues. Shall we get into this episode? Let's get into the episode, love. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. Summer, do you want to kick us off? I'd be delighted. So when we open episode 16, The Ladies Who Lunch, we are talking about scandal. And Mary Alice is talking about how everybody loves a good scandal, especially those people in Fairview. My favorite part of the opening montage was that the first example of scandal was Ida Greenberg stealing Bree's paper and Bree comes out to yell at her. I just love when these episodes have, like, a common theme. Yes, me too. They do this sometimes. Like, I think the last one, it was the guilt one. Yes. Guilty. Like, when everybody, like, everybody just had, like, a storyline about guilt. And this one, everybody has a storyline about scandal. And it, it just, like, everything was in the same vein. What was going on from one to ten scandals. So, Macy, not Macy, Missy, wait, Maisie. Maisie. (laughs) Macy, Missy, Maisie. Oh my God. And I know all three. So Maisie thinks she has one of her clients coming in and it turns out to be the feds. And she doesn't even really realize it because he pulls up out handcuffs and she goes, that's going to be an extra fee. And he's like, you're under arrest. And then she goes, hey, can you actually leave? I want to say she was kind of eating in the pink negligee. She looks. She was so eating good. a lot in this episode. I loved when she broke free from the FBI agent and falls face first into the ground. They've dropped the veil now that she's in trouble, and everybody just hated Maisie Gibbons. I don't know if the listeners realize how, in some ways, we are very similar, but in most ways, we're so different. And that comes right down to where our talents lie with this podcast. <laughs> I just like I I do pre you do post that works for me I hate pre-production and I hate post-production so see that's why we're a good team listeners if you are a pre-pro looking for your post-pro go to college go to college <laughs> <laughs> attach yourself um, to the nearest blonde girl and go for it <laughs> So then we get to Barcliff Academy, and this was a great transition seeing, like, one of the women on the phone, like, did you hear about Maisie Gibbons? And then we just see Lynette. So there is a lice outbreak at Barcliff. 
And Lynette has no faith in her children. And she goes, oh, must be them. And then everybody kind of thinks the same thing. That was something I didn't get was because she gets to the school and the principal or whatever is like, yeah, there's been a lice outbreak. And just because she sees Porter and Preston scratching their heads, she assumes that they're the source. That doesn't make any sense. And then later she gets so mad at like the other moms for assuming. I'm like, you did the same thing. Like you can't be upset. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You also had no faith in your dirty, dirty twins. (laughs) Dirty, dirty twins. So I can't, I don't, I uh, can't, I can't help you with that one. Then we see Carlos in the bathroom. Be more chill. Uh, The sink is, few people are going to get that reference. The sink is filling with brown water. It's sewage. So he and Gabby call Mike, who is suddenly standing in a massive hole in their lawn. He says he can fix it, but it's going to still be like six or $7,000. And because money is an issue for them, they start freaking out. And I felt so bad because Mike says to them like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do it for you. And I'm just surprised you guys still want to talk to me because everybody's kind of making me an outcast ever since they learned about my arrest. I know. And then... Mark and Mike or Carl. Oh my, I cannot know. <laughs> Mike, Mark, Carl, Mike, Mark Moses. Mark, Carlos. I think I was putting Mar- Mike and Carl together and I said Mark. Carl. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark, Mark and Carl. God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Carlos and Mike. God, Carlos goes. <laughs> Innocent and proven guilty, my man. And then Gabby goes, hope he's more innocent than you are. (laughs) I liked that Carlos was kind of allying himself with Mike in that sense. Like making him feel not so alone. Is this the first time they've interacted? I think this is the first time they've spoken. Oh. Oh, no, the dinner party. No, the the bad dinner party. No, I was going to say the dinner party, but no. I guess they were there, but I don't think they really like interacted. Wasn't Mike not there? No, he was there because that was when was that was when Susan fell fell naked in the bushes. Oh yes, okay. Thank you for the yeah. reminder. This has been a long season, and we're halfway through. <laughs> yeah. So then we see Mike trying to apologize to Susan. He's writing letters, and Susan just won't budge. Stupid, stupid one. Who cares that he's a ma- he's a manslaughterer? He has pretty privilege, Susan. Get over it. <laughs> and then julie's going off to her dad's and she's like i can stay home and take care of you and susan looks like rattled scarred broken and she's like it was just a fling like that made me sad he's not just a fling that's mike delfino it's so shocking that susan didn't take julie up on that offer and she was like no no go you've been looking forward to this weekend i also wonder what do you think julie and carl were gonna do for that weekend like what did carl have planned I don't know because I can't I can't really imagine her hanging out with her dad. Like I feel like he just goes there and he's like Okay, well uh see you later. Here's the TV. Going out with Edie Britt. But it's it's something special because Susan said that Julie's been looking forward to it. So I wonder if it's like, is he taking her to Chuck E. Cheese? Like what do fourteen year old kids do? They don't go to Chuck E. Cheese. It's it's the FNAF in me. Maybe just a nice home cooked meal. From I got that dog Meyer. in me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I I really want to know. Like, 
I'm going to be up tonight thinking about what Carl and Julie did that weekend that was going to be so much fun. <gasps> Maybe he's taking her to a concert. What kind of music do you think she listens to? I think she actually really likes heavy metal. I think Julie, in her naive, sweet little way, started listening to whatever music Zach likes. Mm-hmm. And she started <laughs> pretending to like it. And then she started actually liking it. I just I just imagine her like sitting there at her computer doing her homework and in the back it's just like wake me up inside can't wake up wake me up inside choke me like you hate me but you loki <laughs> or have you heard the the heavy metal version of toxic baby can't you see I'm falling. Like, I think she loves that. She loves heavy metal screamo Britney Spears covers. I can't wait to pull this clip for the TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Then we see Brie and Rex at the country club. Rex is talking about how his meds aren't working and the doctor isn't sure what to do. Then they get told by Tish, fellow country club socialite, about Maisie's arrest. And Brie and Rex are freaking out on the inside because apparently Maisie had a little black book with all of her clients' names. Rex in particular is sweating. He is sweating, but also just that little drop of him saying his meds aren't working. Yeah. Is the most, like, I actually had chills. Watching this so critically is actually so much fun because you really notice, like, the little like writing drops that they put in. Because right now we don't we have hinted that George is messing with his meds, but we don't really know exactly what he's doing. So for him just to say, oh, yeah, like, I'm still really sluggish. I don't know why the meds aren't working. And then nothing else is brought up about that. Like, just that one thing, even this is, if this is a filler episode, has skyrocketed this storyline. This is the perfect show to watch with a critical eye, and I can't think mm-hmm. of any other show in recent history that would be as fulfilling to watch through that lens. I just want to say, I think Brie looked so cute in this scene. She had her little pigtails and ribbons. I want to start doing my hair like that. You should. No, she always looks perfect. Always put together. That's mother. (laughs) That is, that is mother for real. That is our biological mother. Mother is mothering. Andy Camp rules. Mother is mothering. (laughs) Tom and Lynette are picking lice out of their kids no. hair like no monkeys. they're not because Lynette is picking lice out of their kids hair Tom <laughs> is standing there like a useless slug okay Tom is watching I actually made that note I wrote Lynette is de-lousing the twins while Tom uselessly watches <laughs> I was just absolutely I think I was too disgusted with the lice to even notice like it they literally look like whoo whoo ah, ah. Oh, new monkey! Like how monkeys do that. <laughs> okay, but here's my question: How hard would it have been if Tom took one of the delousing combs and they each went to work on a twin? It would have saved Lynette so much time. They would have done it in half the time. I don't think Tom could do it. Like he would be like, "I don't see them. My eyes aren't good. I need my contacts. I need my glasses." And Lynette's like, "Just let me do it." Just like, I can't just leave. Stop. 
<laughs> just pick up the phone. Because yeah. you're just a man. <laughs> <laughs> you're just um, a boy. We've been doing this for weeks. Like, I went and listened back to, like, an episode from <laughs> six weeks ago. <laughs> it's been the entire run of this podcast at this point. They're like, it's, our listeners are like, stop. Like, don't do this again. Like, please. No, this is, this is their women in STEM. Lana <laughs> <laughs> Del Rey is like, where's my check? So then the phone rings and Tom picks it up. And Topher, fake name, allegedly has the measles. And Lynette's not buying it immediately. She's like, no, the twins were just disinvited from his big party. Bad. So shall you bam. Then in the next scene, we see Edie and Paul. And my main note for this scene is, why does Paul have chemistry with every woman he speaks to? Every single one. Like this man, if he wasn't a grieving widow that um everybody's like wrongfully creeped out by he like they would see him like <laughs> Mike Delfino they would be like I wreck my plans that's my man like they would all want him when I say I love Paul Young I I mean it as like a father figure to me sure sure like I don't have a crush on Paul Young but I see him with I will say I think he had better chemistry with Susan than Edie of course, and we do stand that coupling, but you know how I am with dads, with father figures overall. It's <laughs> well, we can unpack that another time. Um... <laughs> this is therapy with Tofu and Milo. <laughs> Paul is like, Edie, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, uh, I'm not selling the house because uh, Zach wants to finish up high school here. And she's like, it's okay. It happens all the time. I can't believe Edie said... I know your wife died, but it's been six months. Lighten up. They're walking out of the house, and Felicia comes over and has Edie's necklace and gives it to her. And she's like, oh, I miss when me and Martha used to steal each other's stuff. And then Paul just starts saying too much. Once again, doing too much and made himself look suspicious. He was get Felicia was not suspecting anything with Paul until he's like, so uh, did you hear that uh, Mike Delfino got arrested? And that kind of sparks a little, like, alarm bells in Felicia's mind because she's like, the way he's bringing it up is really weird. I also will say something about this scene, and this is the only time I felt this way, it felt poorly written and poorly acted. I don't know why, but I felt like I was watching, like, a high school play. You don't know why at all? It's just, I don't know. I think maybe it felt a little bit too expository, which the show doesn't usually do. But I don't know. I just don't think it felt natural. I did like how Felicia was so casually like, oh, he didn't kill her. Because yeah. she just has so much conviction in mm -hmm. everything she says. Like, even in the very beginning when she came in, she was like, oh, no, Martha's dead. Like, <laughs> she made no bones yeah. about it. So she's like, no, Martha's, Martha's dead. And then, oh, he didn't kill her. So everything yeah. is just so matter of fact with her and there's no emotion behind it. Maybe that's part of the reason you felt like it was a little poorly acted. Yeah. I don't want to say poorly acted. I think it just like, I don't know. I think it, it just poorly felt a little bit too poorly executed. Yeah. It just didn't feel the way that they were talking. I don't know. Like something about it just didn't feel natural to me. Christy, this scene brought up your favorite place in the world. 
Salt Lake City. Oh my God. And this is when I really was like, wow, I am Edie because <laughs> Felicia goes, Felicia already, I think she had an inkling about Paul Young, but she wasn't a hundred percent sure. Now she's like, okay, like he did it. But she goes, hey, Edie, have you ever been to Salt Lake City? And Edie's like, no, it's too conservative for me. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was in Salt Lake City last weekend, I can't be fooled. Anyway, as I was saying, when I was in Salt Lake City last weekend, if there's one thing about me is I love a tight outfit. Um, So I'm gallivanting around the Jonas Brothers concert in like skin tight leggings a tiny little shirt, Every, like everything's out. I'm just like running around like that. And everybody's looking at me like, there goes a town hall. Like literally everybody <laughs> else is covered up and conservative. And I'm like, you do love a tight outfit. For those of you who might be watching this clip, let me just show you the difference between what Christy wears and what I wear. In the next scene, we see that Gabby has no indoor plumbing and she is quote, improvising her personal hygiene um ew <laughs> so she's in Lynette's bathroom and she's brushing her teeth she like does the, the the soap and water I guess under her arms and then she pops out of the bathroom and we see that they're at Lynette's house playing poker I also noticed she's wearing a very Lynette-esque shirt and I'm like Gabby still has her own clothes I know they're not doing laundry the way they were before but that just struck me as a very Lynette outfit she was wearing. Edie has the tea on Maisie which makes Brie of course very anxious. Yep she hears all about the black book and Brie just kind of stays silent tries to change the subject um, and then everybody leaves but Edie stays and she starts talking about how <laughs> she learned how to bluff and be good at poker because her ex-husband was bad in bed Lenette and Edie are just gossiping about Susan and at first she's like I'm just not at liberty to say and Edie's like just spill come on tell and she does I noted that when Edie wants the tea on Susan Lynette gives it pretty willingly like she didn't put up that much of a fight <laughs> all Edie had to say was like oh come on <laughs> I also wrote I'm so Edie and I don't remember why she said something specific about Susan Yes, yes, I'll tell you what it was because I wrote that Edie's so real for this. She was like, well, what if you don't want to be around somebody who just bitches and complains all the time? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's what it was. And I was like, so true, exactly. But she just wants to be a good friend, I guess. And then we cut back to Paul and he's going through Mary Alice videos and the look on his face when he sees the clip of Mary Alice, like it actually like warmed my heart. He just like, looks like with so much like love and affection towards her and then his expression immediately changes when he sees Felicia in the video. I think Paul and Mary Alice were soulmates for real and I know we joke about yeah. Susan and Paul but that is still very much like in another life <laughs> because <laughs> I think Paul loved Mary Alice with his whole heart and his world was shattered when she took her own life. But yeah he sees Felicia and he starts freaking out and he's like oh no that's why she's acting like this knew each other from the hospital so then carlos and gabby are bathing in the hot tub <laughs> and it's just a really funny like i i love like the physical comedy in this show like two people are never just having a conversation like something else is actually maybe that's what i didn't like about the felicia oh. Edie 
Paul scene because they were just standing around. Yeah, and they never and usually do that. like there's an action. Yeah, like there's, there's some business. type of action going. Mm-hmm. Yes, unless like it's a dramatic scene between like between Susan and Mike. Like there's always like some type of action going on. Like how we yes. saw Zach and Paul with like the the tie things like that. Um, but yeah, so they're like shaving in the hot tub and doing their laundry. And Gabby's like, we have to get this fixed. Like, this is your fault. He goes, why is this my fault? I was like, Carlos, you contributed to slave labor and lost all your money. This is your fault. And he's like, well, you like to spend a lot of money, so I need to have a high-paying job. Okay. He took home the Worst Husband Award this episode. That's so funny you say that because I was going to say the award for most – unself-aware person on the show currently goes to Carlos Solis. Rex, Rex Vandekamp, you, you get a break this week, okay? <laughs> it was Carlos this week. So then Lynette goes to Nurse Abigail because she's like, I'm so sorry my kids spread lice. And Nurse Abigail's like, um, it wasn't your kids. The kid who has it always has lice. I, I, I don't know. Like, I have a hard time feeling bad for her in this episode because she if she had come into this being like I know it wasn't my kids why is everybody saying this it was not my kids who was it they're getting the blame like no she's going around on an apology tour being like I'm so sorry my kids have lice that's like wouldn't (laughs) you have lice too if they started the apology tour is crazy yes that's a great point that's a great point Christy who who am I to actually they, that's a plot hole because I feel like they should have gotten it. Like there's an episode in The Nanny when um, I think the daughter, I can't remember her name, but she gets lice at school and it gets to the whole family. It was literally the day that the lice outbreak occurred, though, that Lynette got the delousing comb and immediately started delousing them, right? Oh, that's true. I don't know, listeners, if you've ever had lice, let us know. Did your whole family get it? I'm <laughs> Please give us your lice stories. <laughs> Did you ever have lice? No. Me neither. So she's like, please, the kids have been uninvited to Topher's birthday party. I keep thinking about Topher Grace. Topher Grace's birthday party. <laughs> and um, she's like, Topher Grace? That's interesting. Maybe you should sit down. So it doesn't take much for Nurse Abigail to break HIPAA law. <laughs> I wish we would get more of Nurse Abigail because she was kind of a real one. Yeah, we should do it. We should get a spinoff of about Nurse Abigail. Nurse Abigail fan fiction. Then in the next scene, we see Maisie in jail. She's got that orange jumpsuit on. It's giving Carlos and Brie comes to visit. Brie brings, of course, a basket of baked goods, and she is trying to get Maisie to take Rex's name out of the little black book. And Maisie's kind of not budging. She's like, well, if I do it for, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. If I do it for you, I have to do it for all the other wives. And that ain't fair, is it? Finally, we found your impression. <laughs> Maisie Gibbons and Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Bree's like, please, please, please. And she's like, absolutely not. And then Maisie kind of like goes off and she's like, you weren't there when my husband lost his job. And Bree's like, no, like I thought that you wouldn't want me to say anything because I wouldn't want anybody to say anything for me. And you can see Bree was not 
poor intentioned, but she, one of those things like you treat people the way you want to be treated. I think a big Um, thing on Wisteria Lane and Fairview in general is just that these people have very high expectations of each other. And I'm not saying like mm-hmm. not to be neighborly or not to look out for other people, but at the same time, like everybody has their own thing going on. And maybe it was a really inconvenient time for Bree and Rex. Like everybody seems to have these very high expectations of each other. That's all. Also, it doesn't seem like they were in a core group of friends. Like we wouldn't, I'd feel very uncomfortable if somebody I was kind of friends with, kind of not, was like, heard you're having money problems. It's like, no, don't say yeah. that to me. Who are you to say? Maisie's like, well, doesn't matter because they all abandoned me because I'm a whore. And Brie goes, oh, Maisie, they didn't abandon you because you were a whore. They abandoned you because you weren't all that nice to begin with. Why is Maisie the only person in Fairview with a southern accent? Maybe she moved. She's the only one who moved? Yeah. You know, people can actually move into a neighborhood from a different region. Well, actually, uh, I feel like Mike Delfino has a southern twang. Gabby looks at a porta potty with glee while she's on her morning jog and she steals it. Yes. This is very similar to her with when she was moving all the stuff from her house. It's very similar shot. Her core, I want to know what her ab routine is. So then Susan is deeply distraught and upset sitting on her floor in the house, looking a mess, decluttering. And Edie just comes in and she's like, get up we're going to a bar and I was like she really is me like this is so me when people are upset I'm like get up get out of your house what's the problem so yeah she just forces her up and then then it just cuts straight to the bar and I need to know where this was filmed (laughs) I can't believe it wasn't Saddle Ranch Chop House I it possibly could be it could have just been like another room in it So they're getting their drinks. Susan is so sad over Mike. And this is what Edie was talking about earlier to Lynette, where she was like, I don't want to be around someone who just complains all the time. And they're just a sad sack. I am paraphrasing, of course. But then Susan brings up that she thinks Paul is to blame for everything. And she's like, we should break and enter. And at first, Edie is like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. But somehow Susan manages to convince her. And I just thought... This was very us coded. I thought so too. But also I was really annoyed because I'm like, Paul trusted Susan with this information. Yeah, she, she blurts it out. About, so what if it's a fake story? He's covering his tracks. He trusted her and she blabs to the girls about it. She blabs to Edie. But now she has to go far and go so far. To, to her knowledge, this is a man whose creepy son killed his baby sister. And she just goes, there's something so sinister about Paul. I think he killed Martha. That's it's a like, serious accusation. As far as you know, this man has had so much trauma. And you know what? So what if he did come? <laughs> we know he did, but stop assuming. Stop it, Susan. Susan should be thanking Paul because he is the reason she met Mike. The butterfly effect is so weird. 
and the reason why she's getting away with burning somebody's house down. Yeah. Because if Martha was still alive, <laughs> she would be pestering her every pestering her every day about it and trying to get her for something else. I think that life on Wisteria Lane has been a lot better <laughs> since <laughs> Paul killed Martha. So I don't understand. Like, he wasn't doing a disservice to anybody. He improved he the quality of life on Wisteria Lane. I'm sure there had been families on the lane who left because of their pesky neighbors. Absolutely. No doubt. So I don't see the problem. But then this gets Edie thinking, too. And she thinks about the conversation at the mailbox when he was like, oh, yeah, that Mike Delfino, he's really suspicious. And I'm like, Paul, once again. Paul needs to know when to stop. You opened your mouth. Next, we see Brie and Rex at a fancy dinner back at the country club. And Rex casually drops in that the meds still aren't working and the doctors might want to run more tests. But Brie isn't really listening to this because she notices everybody's looking at them. Just imagine being an extra filming this scene when the director's like, okay, I know usually you guys are not allowed to look at <laughs> what's happening, but this time that's all you have to do. Just stare at them. That would be so fun. You just get to watch. Um, Yeah, but she's like, okay, I don't care. Like, let's, we're just going to sit. I don't want to draw attention to this. And he goes, Brie, let's go. Everybody's staring at us. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm sitting right here. And he stands up and she goes, if you move a single inch and get up and leave, I will scream. I will tell every single person what you did to me, all the trauma. So help me just sit down. This is, oh, you owe me that much. And he's just like, okay. And then he sits down. And wow, she's gotten so yes. much stronger. Because again, in the pilot, she would have gotten up and walked So out. much character development from this one. Um, so then they just sit and she goes, hmm, I'll take the steak or whatever. I think it was veal. It's just a baby steak. Wait, wait. Do you remember, um, <clears throat> I recommend the creme brulee. I recommend you go away. <laughs> Is that from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? No, but I just think of the Try the Veal episode of Hannah Montana with Joey Fatone. I hate that episode. And Sorry, then... Callie. Why? I hate it. He That guy always gave me the creeps. <laughs> but that episode then reminds me of us performing in an Italian restaurant in Staten Island. So now Try the Veal makes me think about when we were court jesters. <laughs> no, that was like <laughs> most embarrassing quote performances of my life <laughs> <laughs> court jester is the perfect way to describe it desperate housewife super fans i wish <laughs> this was on cam i wish we had a video no i'm glad this isn't on video but basically a few christmases ago summer and i were asked to perform I don't remember for this, like, was it a private party? Yeah, it was a private party. We were asked to perform at this private party. And, like, the week before, we had done it for a different one, and it was fine. So we were like, okay, maybe it'll be the same. No. Everybody. (laughs) They were at a table (laughs) banquet style. (laughs) They're, they're like, patiently waiting for their food. And all they want to do is eat, and we come out. 
they're all facing each other like in a in a rectangular banquet style. That's why we say court jester <laughs> and we come out. They didn't have any sound equipment oh. for us. No microphone, no speaker. <laughs> like we had the week before. The week before we were at a part, like there were tables, there was a speaker set up, there was a DJ, like it was fine. But they didn't have anything. So we played <laughs> Miley Cyrus rocking around the Christmas tree off my phone. <laughs> this out until very recently christy tears check when we were telling amalia about it <laughs> oh my god those people <laughs> those people probably think about that and they're like oh god remember that terrible christmas performance they're like at the italian if i never on. think about that again it'll be too soon i me i block but i don't even look at it with embarrassment because it was just so funny it was and we got paid like 50 dollars. get give us equipment anything he didn't give us anything. anything he was just like oh you didn't bring anything that's not we're not supposed to supply that if he had asked us to supply it sure i would have brought something but the venue had that stuff Stereo. last week <laughs> right wow and he probably because when he saw us the week before he's like wow you girls are so talented please you have to perform he was probably so embarrassed he booked us never heard from him again don't even remember his name he listens to the podcast like Like, in my mind it feels like we were in like the a prison of that italian restaurant and we were dragged out they were like perform perform (laughs) for your freedom so idi and susan have broken into paul's house they're sneaking around it's totally dark I wrote, this friendship is my favorite. Edie is so funny because Susan is like, Edie, do you believe in evil? And she goes, of course I believe in evil. I work in real estate. Yeah, so they are just popping around the house. Again, Paul, he knows that he has a lot of things he doesn't want people finding out in his home. Why would you allow Edie to have a key? Like, what? wouldn't you want that back immediately? He trusts Edie. But earlier, he's like, oh, take your time. Like, it's fine. Yeah. He shouldn't be trusting anybody. He tried to kill Edie, like, seven episodes ago. They're watching. They find the tape, and they're like, oh, my God. That's Mary Alice. 
And Susan says something. She goes, she used to call herself Angela. Not her name used to be Angela. She used to call herself Angela. It's like a weird way of putting it. So then they hear Paul coming home and they hide. And then Edie has this bright idea. She just pops up from behind the couch. She goes, hi, Paul. That made me laugh out loud. The jump scare. (laughs) But it's just so funny because she's like, yeah, I was just returning your key as she's hiding behind the couch. And she starts to seduce him as a cover to get Susan out so that Susan can escape. And it is just, it did have me shipping them a little bit. I know it was completely fake and forced, but still. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel the natural chemistry that he had with Susan. But (laughs) it's just, again, like this is such the physical comedy here between all three actors is so amazing. Like Edie awkwardly making out with Paul who just like looks really stiff and uncomfortable and then you juxtapose it with Susan like crawling out of the house even the way like the shot of her when like Mike sees her crawl out the shot of her just like coming out of the house on all fours is so funny but then once Edie sees that uh Susan's out she's like all right Paula sorry I made you uncomfortable my bad I gotta go and then he's like oh Edie I wasn't uncomfortable. I was just surprised. And then he keeps kissing her and she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I would have loved to see that keep going. I would have loved to see her, like, have to date Paul Young. That would be hilarious. For a few weeks. It would have been so funny. When we cut back to outside, Mike approaches Susan. They start fighting again, of course, because what else does my favorite dramatic couple do? Terry Hatcher's acting when she's with, like, James Denton all of their scenes together are like she is always on her a game i feel like i've tried to talk about this in previous episodes but every time i'd say it we'd freeze so i haven't fully ever been able to like flesh it out but she just like i get chills every time she's like yelling at mike or i don't know it just it feels so like raw and real yes whenever they have a scene together and she's like i'm never gonna trust you ever again and then he kisses her and she goes oh i'm so happy to see the scene end that way but also i like that he doesn't question that she's crawling out of paul young's house yeah he knows not to question things (laughs) there's none of that yeah he's like she probably sure she broke into his house that makes Eh. sense he's like he loves her because she's so quirky brie is with gabby And um, we never really see the two of them just alone together. So this was kind of nice. She's asking Gabby why she's acting so weird. And she's like, well, you know, we we know like you have money troubles. And Gabby's like, why would you say that? And Brie, obviously, this is a callback callback to her scene with Maisie. And you can see that she kind of took those notes. She's like, oh, my God, like, I hope – I'm being a good friend. And again, she we didn't have to see Brie go through this. Like, this is just read between the lines, the way she's talking to Gabby. But then Gabby's like, I'm not – you You don't have to ask me about your money problems, and I'm not going to ask you why Rex was in Maisie's black book. Okay, see you later. I feel like I disagree with Gabby about the good versus great friends thing because Gabby is like, the good friends are the ones who support you, and the great friends are the ones who act like nothing happened. Personally – 
Mm, I disagree. Other way around. Yeah. If you're very, very close to somebody, then at that, that point, you can be like, hey. Then we see Lynette at Terrible Topher's birthday party. She shows up with her twins in tow. And Topher's mother, I forget her name, but she's kind of like, oh, Lynette, you're here. And she has been found out that she lied. The bouncy house scene between Lynette and the other mom is so funny to me, purely because it takes place in a bouncy house. Again, like I said, all these scenes, like there's dialogue, but something else is always going on on top of it. And it was so good. In that bouncy house is when Lynette is like, all right, I'm going to tell everybody that Topher is the one who started the lice. And his mom is like, no, 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 I'll, I'll go tell everybody that I was wrong and that your kids didn't start it. So they agree to that. And Lynette is pretty satisfied with herself. My only real note here is Topher is a crazy name. My name's Topher. Yes, that's what I was thinking of this whole time. So then we cut back to Bree and Gabby and Bree's like, hey, listen, I heard what you said, but no, like I'm giving you this money for you to fix your plumbing. And I just thought that was really sweet because she can't be in the country club anymore. And Brie and Rex have millions of dollars. It worked out exactly the way it was supposed to. Brie was like, great friends don't take no for an answer and forced the envelope into Gabby's hand, which was really nice. And then we go to that ending montage again about everybody loving a good scandal. You can tell everybody knows about Rex. And then we see... Paul sitting on his couch, probably thinking about Edie. And then he sees that his tape was displaced and is hiding behind the couch. So he's like, oh, now I know what was going on. Dun, dun, dun. This was a great episode. I really liked it. It was really, it was a fun one. Um, Once again, Lynette and Gabby were fighting for the D story. Who cares about her kids having lice? Everything revolves around her kids. That's D story. Like, at least Gabby, with her plumbing, at the end, it kind of, like, helped Bree's growth. Yeah. But, I don't know. Lynette and Gabby are always fighting for the D story, and Bree and Susan. This is the Bree and Susan show, I fear. Well, we'll see in the next episode who ends up having the A and B stories, but until then... Thanks for joining us, Desperate Housewives superfans slash little criminals. This has been... We know what you did. It makes us sick. We're going to Please follow us. Hi, Blanche. Hi, Blanche. Hi, Blanche. Hi, Blanche. Please follow us on TikTok. We're going to tell Pod. Instagram, we are going to tell. Um, keep an eye on merch and Patreon and all the things we keep promising. And some really exciting things coming with this podcast. So keep coming back. Can't wait to see you next time, little criminals. Bye. Bye.